Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shalom. So Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Imagine this scene. You're standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, having recently received the Ten Commandments and heard the actual voice of God speaking to you out of fire and smoke. The rabbis teach that in the moment of revelation, God spoke in an infinite number of voices so that every person could hear the words in the way that he or she or they needed to hear them. Every person that stood at Sinai which in the rabbinic mind is every Jew throughout time and space, heard the words of God spoken directly to them. Now imagine Moses comes down from the mountain and tells you it's time for a communal building project. God requires truma, gifts from the people for the building of the sacred dwelling place for God. Kol ish asher yivdenu libo, every person whose heart moves him. When we think about this passage, we usually focus on the end, the gifts brought with a willing heart. But tonight, I want us to think about the word kol, all, or every. This tiny word is somewhat superfluous here. The text could say, people whose hearts moved them, or anyone who was willing should bring gifts to the divine. But instead, the text says kol, every person, all the people everyone. So the first thing I did, which is what I always do when I find an interesting word or phrase in the Torah, is go to the rabbinic commentators and see if they find that word as interesting as I do. And in this case, they do. The rabbis spend a lot of time talking about the word kol, both in this context and in other moments when it seems like an extra or unnecessary word. Some commentators say that the word kol teaches that women and children are included in bringing gifts to God, lest you think it was just the men who were supposed to do that. Others teach that kol recognizes the widow and the orphan, reminding us to include the marginalized in the building of God's sacred home. Rabbi Steve Wald teaches that the word kol in this context means more than you would think. Include more. Open your tent wider. Make it possible for more people to participate. If our job as Jews is to figure out how God wants us to act in the world using the Torah as our guide, what do we learn from this tiny word, kol, all? We learn that all has to really mean all. It has to mean everyone. And that it has to mean that we create a space where everyone can bring their gifts. 
If our spaces are not accessible and open to all, then we turn our back on God's decree that every person should help build the Mishkan. This month, we celebrate Jewish Disabilities Awareness and Inclusion Month, the perfect opportunity to take the charge of this week's Torah portion into our own lives. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak with a woman named Liz Weintraub, who is a disability rights and policy expert who has worked on this issue both personally and professionally on the state and federal level. Liz is also a proud Jew. We spoke about the obstacles she has faced when trying to become part of a synagogue community and the ways in which her current synagogue has walked the walk on inclusion. She spoke about her adult bat mitzvah and about the accessible trips that her congregation has organized. But more than that, she spoke about the meaning of having true friends in her congregation, which gives her and her family a sense of belonging. It allows her to bring her many gifts to her community because the synagogue is open to receiving them. But the most important part of this conversation was when she drew a distinction between inclusion and belonging. I don't know how many of you have seen a cartoon which shows a group of students, one in a wheelchair, waiting for someone to shovel the snow so they can enter their school building. The person shoveling the snow says, I'll get to the ramp as soon as I'm done with the stairs. When the stairs are shoveled first, most of the students can go inside, but the student in the wheelchair is still waiting. However, when the ramp is shoveled first, everyone can enter the building at the same time. When the ramp is shoveled first, then the student belongs because the school is saying everyone is welcome here and we are going to make sure that everyone is able to access our space. This is not just because it's an accommodation for one person, but because it makes our entire community stronger when everyone can be a part of it. When we look for the most open, most inclusive way to be a community, it makes us stronger. In that spirit, I want to share some words written by Rabbi Lauren Tuckman. She wrote them right at the beginning of COVID in the rush to bring every aspect of Jewish life online, but they are still relevant to us in this moment, almost one year later. Rabbi Tuckman is the first blind female rabbi ordained in the United States and in addition to being an inspiring teacher of Torah, spends much of her time working for increased belonging in the Jewish space. She writes, in the flurry of activity, something felt deeply discordant to me. The pace at which programming and even prayer books became available online was due to the fact that these things, accommodations if you were, are now what the majority population requires. We structure our society to center and prioritize the needs of majority populations, even in this ever-shifting reality. We too often forget those on the margins, namely folks living with disability and chronic illness. I believe that this forgetting is because our communities of care individually and communally don't often include us. We are not often seen as peers or equals. We tend to prioritize those needs and concerns that impact our lives most immediately and viscerally. 
Though the disability community is 20% of the human family, our needs are frequently deprioritized because the perception is that the needed accommodations and supports will impact a small number of people only, hence not worth the time, effort, or expense. When we have someone in our life who requires alternative means of access, we are more inclined to work towards that. Why? Because accessibility is no longer an abstract thing, it's concrete. Many folks living with disabilities and chronic illness have been dealing with the impact of isolation for a long time. Many have been dealing with the indescribable pain of wanting to be in community and not being able to access it. Imagine what it feels like now to get a taste of that access. For some folks, it is our first time. Many of us, myself included, spend a lot of time wishing that we could get back to normal, that this would be over already. But we have to recognize the ways in which the old normal was inaccessible for so many people with both visible and invisible disabilities. And we have to recognize the ways in which this pandemic has disproportionately affected people with disabilities. People with physical, intellectual, and learning disabilities are many times more likely to die of COVID or to suffer additional long-term consequences. If coal is to mean all, we have to build a new world in which those with disabilities belong, in the pews, in leadership positions, in our classes, and in our schools. I hope that everyone knows that we want Central to be a place where everyone can come in, where everyone's gifts are welcome. But this moment has taught us a lot about ways we can do better. We are committed to ensuring that our programming and classes remain accessible to those who cannot come to Central in person. We will soon have closed captioning on all of our Shabbat services, and our youth and family department will work with any family who wants their child to have a Jewish education at Central. These are both accommodations and steps towards belonging, and we know that these are only the first steps in what we can do. These steps make Central a place where we can welcome more people, where more people can belong. Like the work of building a community, the building of the Mishkan is incredibly detailed. Many different pieces and parts are needed to complete God's sacred home. But the reward for building the Mishkan is, as Cantor Kadrain sang so beautifully at the beginning of services, that God will dwell among us, not within the tabernacle, but within the community. And the reward for building a community where everyone is not just included, but everyone belongs, is that God will dwell with coal with all of us. Shabbat Shalom. And know all of your ways and wisdom. Whoa, you keep me safe. And I'd always praise your name. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us.